Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Christina Eanes, the 2022 Vice President of Marketing and Communications for the Metro DC chapter of the Association for Talent Development. And I'm Leticia Niago, the 2022 President-Elect. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie Hupka, a chapter past president and a member of the pod squad here at Metro DC ATD. We also have Helena Hodges, Vice President of Finance and Operations, as our producer. For this episode, we are interviewing the Learning and Video Ambassador for TechSmith, one of my favorite companies, and the host of the Visual Lounge podcast, Matthew Pierce. Welcome, Matt. Thank you. Glad to be here. Now, before we jump into our topic of training videos that work, please share a little bit about your background with our listeners. Yeah. So actually, uh, my love and interest in learning and development actually started in Washington, D.C. I was an intern uh, at the Federal Judicial Center down in the Thurgood Marshall Building. And uh, it happened to be a random internship that I was like, ah, this looks good. They pay money. So that was really good. <laughs> and I'm like, awesome. Uh, so I did that first semester and I learned that people actually do learning and development for a job. And I said, oh, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm about. Uh, went and finished up my undergrad and then went and got a master's degree in instructional systems technology from Indiana University. And I've uh, done a couple different jobs, but most of my life, I've actually been at TechSmith for about 15 years, mostly doing learning and development type things, as well as some time in marketing. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Camtasia is one of my favorite uh, software programs. <laughs> one of mine too, actually. I get to use it all yes. the time. <laughs> yep. Yep. So speaking of the topic, training videos that work. Uh, let's get into it. So what are the benefits of using videos in training? Well, I think the, the benefit is that, you know, especially the way the world has gone in the last couple of years, it's, it's hard to always be together. And so it, it bridges a gap that video can create this asynchronous environment where you can, it can not be together, but you can still get some of those, that humanity feeling. You can be together in such a way that you can see faces, you can hear emotion, you can see expressive things that you might not pick up on just audio only and or in written text. But also video is really powerful for movement, action, things that you want to show up in a way that, you know, might be hard to do and kind of a mass scale. So I think video is a really great way to reach out uh, to connect, but it's also a great way to reach out into a lot of people with a lot of information. Yeah. And to show, right. To show people how to do things. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, we, there's a lot of advice on, on video production out on the internet. Uh, however, not all of it might be applicable to training videos. What are some common mistakes that you see when it comes to creating instructional videos? Well, I think a lot of people get caught in the trap that they think they have to be on camera or they have to show themselves. And, and that can be good. There can be reasons you want your subject matter expert or yourself to be on camera or someone of importance. But I think a lot of times we just need to show people what it is that we want them to see, right? And you can connect with them in a lot of different ways. But that doesn't mean you have to be on there. I also think people get caught up in the quality trap. Honestly, we we see Hollywood, we see television. Even nowadays, we see things on YouTube and we're like, oh my gosh, the quality is so good. My work has to be that good too. And why that would be nice and that's and somewhat an ideal to strive for. 
if your video quality is that the best you can get is from a, like an iPhone or an Android phone, you can really make good stuff without it having to, to be like Hollywood quality. In fact, no one should be spending that kind of time or budget unless there's a really good reason for it. But for most of us, we can get by with good enough. And I think people get caught in that trap, especially in learning development, because we are worried about our perception. And I totally understand that perception. But, you know, sometimes it's really important to get the information out and you can dial back a little bit of the quality. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying make junk or garbage or anything like that. But what I'm, what I think we can do is get away with being, uh, you know, it's got good audio, but maybe it's not, uh, you know, a high-end camera that costs $40,000 to make the production or, <laughs> yeah. you know, you haven't gone out and hired all the best actors and, you know, you're using your talent that you have in your organization. And maybe it doesn't, you can tell like, oh, they're reading from a script. That could be okay uh, in some circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Good enough. Doesn't need to be perfect. <laughs> nice. So let's say you're working on a project. Uh, you've determined that an instructional video will be the most effective way to introduce maybe the content or certain content. Could you walk us through that process? Like, where do you start? Where do you go from there? Yeah. I mean, it all starts with your audience and what they need and how they're going to uh, take in the content, right? So if you've decided all that and you said, yep, video is still right for me. I think the next thing is to really to break down what is the outcome you're looking for? What is it that you want to have to be true at the end of the video? Videos are really no different than most of the other instruction you're going to create. You need an objective. You need an outcome. One difference that you might find is though, you might say like this video, we, maybe we have three or four outcomes. It really needs to be one outcome, one video. Uh, you know, and that doesn't mean there's not sub steps, you know, cause some things are complicated. So you might have to break it down a little bit inside the video, but you really want to make your video focused. And, you know, we don't have a defined link that we say, oh gosh, every video has to be three minutes or less. That's, that's old thinking. Current thinking is as long as needed, short as possible, but really focus on the one objective, the one thing that you want to have to be true. And then once you do that, figure out how you're going to do that. Are you, do you need a script or can you do it with an outline? And do you need to, you know, is it going to be complex shots where you got to really plan out make sure you get everything? If you do get a storyboard, maybe make a shot list. And then once you've done that, you can start the creation process of going through and capturing the footage, footage, gathering all the assets that you need, just might, like you might if you're creating an interactive e-learning course or something. And then you get into the editing. And really throughout this whole process, ask, keep asking yourself the question, what can I get rid of? How can I make this more streamlined? How can I make this lighter weight? The a big Going back to the previous one kind of mistakes or problems people have with uh, videos, people try to do too much. They try to make it, you know, add all the bells and whistles like, nope, just <laughs> yeah. cut that script down. So it's really focused, get rid of the fluff, cut out the footage you don't need, you know, but make sure you have stuff that is relevant. You want to kind of keep things moving and changing. So in your editing process, depending on what it is, it might be very simple or it might be very complex. And it just, again, it just depends, but good editors, good video creators, good script writers, they're focusing on just kind of keep cutting and whittling it down. So it's the core message. It's the key things that you want to show. And then, you know, there's a lot of other conversations we could have about like all the other questions you need to have answered about, you know, where's this going to live? How are they going to listen to it or hear it or see it? And making sure you're adjusting your creation process to adapt for that. Oh, yeah. Keep the keeping that end goal in mind. I like that. 
Now, do you use the same process for all training videos or are there like maybe do you adjust for different types of training videos at all? We do adjust. And in, in fact, for for instance, for TechSmith, we have when we look at our we, we do a lot of customer facing training. So it's, you know, tutorials on our products to help our customers use the products. And we have a set of tutorials that we'll create that are like, we'll call them our tier one standard, right? They, they go through a much more extensive process because they're going to live for the life cycle of that product. They're going to be maybe the first touch that some of our customers have with the product in terms of using it. And so we make sure that we're really putting a lot of work into them. On the other hand, we have a lot of other things that we do that it's like, we're putting way less work into it. We're not, you know, as stringent about doing the whole analysis or really, you know, that script maybe isn't as refined. It hasn't gone through as many reviews. Um, and frankly, we're maybe not doing as much cleanup and touch up to it. The ums and ahs stay in, you know, if something's off by just a touch, it's okay. We let it live. And so we're, div- we're dividing, you know, kind of like, how long is this going to live? What's the priority of it? How many people do we think is going to see it? And then we're just adjusting the scope of the work uh, because we know there's way more that we could always, we could always be doing more. And I think that's true of internal training. There's always a backlog of courses that need to be made, of content that needs to be done. And so it's like, well, do we want this today or do we never want to get to it? Because, and, and you just got to adjust because some things need that high touch, high polish uh, kind of process. Others just like, let's get really bare bones good enough. And then if people are like, ah, this isn't good enough or it's not working, hopefully it's working, but if, you know, you can adjust from there and, and then you haven't invested, you know, days and weeks to make a video. You've maybe spent a few hours. Yeah, I like that. Good enough, get it out there, and then adjust if needed. A great process. Now, you had mentioned about uh, determining the appropriate video length. For for those out there that are, are fairly new to this, good and uh, let's see. So, what was it? it? Was enough to get the point across, but not too much. How do we? How do we like? set a rule set around that for us. Yeah. So, you know, we TechSmith has actually run some data. And what we asked basically is people who are watching videos and particularly instructional and informational videos. So it's in our core audience here. And we asked them, what's their preferred length of video, right? And what it's it really interesting what the data comes back to. And I can share with uh, the link to that this survey. It's freely available. But what it comes down to is people actually have a very wide uh, variety of preferences. A lot of people were between like, four to seven minutes. And then we actually see it kind of drops down a little bit and then 10 to 19 minutes actually goes back up. And those were the wow. bulk of people who they said, I prefer this length of video. Now, a couple of things need to be true about that. So here's where you start to get into these rule sets. Is this something that I have to watch? I'm going to be compelled to watch. When we look at the data, people that are like in compliance training preferred much shorter videos. So if you're doing this and like, you're going to have to watch this, you just have to watch this. We need you to watch this (laughs) as short, really as short as possible. One to two minutes, maybe three minutes. Obviously there's going to be times you might need more, but maybe then can start consider breaking it up. If people were interested in learning a topic, they were much more willing to go longer and think about how that aligns with our learning goals in our organization. When I'm personally interested in something, I'm willing to spend a lot more time on it. And not every organization has time that you can afford to just go on a whim and learn something. But if it's going to help me be more successful, is it going to get me a, a raise? Is it going to make me more productive, make my job easier? Well, those are things I'm interested in. I'm sure other people are interested in. Uh, they'll tolerate a little longer. So you can start thinking about like, how do we categorize this particular video versus another one? 
But then generally, just I think if you're really looking for a rule, say, you know, we'd love to have everything be under, I don't know, eight minutes. And if it's going to be longer than eight minutes, let's start justifying why that's the case. And okay, well, it's got these five things and this is really, it's nuclear physics and it's really complex, you know, <laughs> something really tough. And so you can, you can start kind of putting those guidelines on around it. But then at the end of the day, with any of those videos, you just go back again and say, is there anything here that we could cut that doesn't need to be here? Could it be in supporting documentation? Could it be in the context around it? Does it have to be in this video for this video to be successful? Nice. And I, you brought a couple of things up for me when you were sharing that. Uh, one, probably if we address the WIFM, the what's in it for me right up front, they'll be more apt to, to watch a little bit longer, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think relevancy is super important for people to start watching and keep watching. And it doesn't have to be in the video, though. It could be in the title. It could be in a description surrounding that content. Because frankly, you know, what we don't need is more in this video, you'll learn three (laughs) things. Like put that in other contexts. Those are important for us as creators, but maybe not so much for the learner. (laughs) <laughs> so thinking of the learner experience and then also running uh, maybe analytics, right? So putting stuff out there and seeing are people dropping off after their first four minutes or, you know, are they watching it? Do you do that too? Oh, absolutely. And and this is where internally gets sometimes a little trickier because depending on your systems and tools, but you should always look at your analytics. But one of the things in that same study that we found, I think is really interesting here. The number one reason people stop watching these informational instructional videos that they indicated they were watching is that they got the information they needed. So we have to be really careful when we look at that data to see like, oh, they only watched four minutes to find out like, why did they stop watching? at four minutes. Was it because they got what they needed? Is it because they got confused? Is it because this is like totally the wrong video for them? But you should be looking at that engaging to see like, okay, what do we think is happening? Just real quick example I had, it was actually a marketing video, but I think that it applies here. We we created this this video. It was kind of based on a TV show 24. This guy's doing this presentation. It's like all about how to remove the color green from your video, like green screen removal. And at 37 seconds of a 51 second video, people are shown applauding, like in a classroom, like, yeah, he did a good job with the presentation. And we just saw the drop off go way down. Like everyone was stopping Uh. the video. Our call to action (laughs) was at like 47 seconds. So they missed it by 10 seconds because clapping is an end signal. And so people are like, it's done. I don't need to see what comes after here. I got the story. (laughs) And that can happen in our videos too. So we do have to be really careful and look for those types of things. Go back and look, say like, what's happening at this part? Is it like likely that's answering the question? Is the rest of it fluff? Or is it like something else is going on here? Um, And so just use your data the best you can. And then you got to ask, you got to go out and ask the people like, hey, I was just curious. You watched this video. Give me some feedback. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, and that brings up then the idea of special effects. And I know you'd mentioned earlier about streamlining videos, but what is the right balance on that, right? So some music, maybe some animations. How do you know when you're getting to a point where you're negatively impacting the learning? So great. That's a fantastic question. So music generally is always off the table for learning videos, maybe as an intro, maybe as an exit. But what happens is, and there's lots of research out there. uh, Dr. Richard Mayer has some stuff. It basically, you get cognitive overload, right? You can't pay attention to the two streams. So we, from a learning perspective, I try to tell people just 
avoid the music. If you're going to do it, there's a whole bunch of other criteria and caveats that go along with that. You just have to like, then you have to be really good. Um, and we're not, we're not, professional film scores or editors. So it becomes <laughs> challenging producers. Yeah. And then with effects, what you want to do is making sure that it's always additive to the learning. Is it helping to emphasize? Is it helping me to gain attention? Is it, is it really focusing me? Because sometimes what we do is like, Oh, we're going to add this cool thing. And it's like really whiz bang. Awesome. But then it's like, but why, what did that do for the learner to understand this idea, this thought. So I'm, you know, I'm a fan of an arrow or some, some, you know, something that moves to highlight something because that's going to draw attention. That's a good thing. But if it's there just because you thought, oh, this is going to look really cool, from a learning perspective, that might not be helpful. Um, you know, other things to watch out for. People like to put text on the screen, and we know again, cognitive load theory talks about well. I you know, it's really hard for me to read text, and if, but if you're going to have it, put it close to the thing I need to be looking at. So just be mindful of what you're doing. There's no wrong answer here. Like, because once in a while you want to show off, you want to have something cool, you know, you want to draw attention, like let's engage them. But you just have to make sure, again, it's not at the expense of their understanding or their focus. And I, I can tell you, I've been guilty of this many times because I'm like, oh, this is going to be so cool. Look at this animation I made. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, but it's, kind of distracting from the thing that I want them to focus on. I'm right there with you. I've actually, just for fun, created videos just for myself (laughs) that I'm not actually going to use in training just because I wanted to do the cool thing. Absolutely. And and cool things are great. Again, it goes back to that conversation about what is the purpose here? Like, you know, from a, a kind of neuroscience, Dr. Medina talks about in his book, Brain Rules, in a lecture, every 10 minutes, he kind of resets the classroom. Uh, I got a chance to hear him speak recently. He did the same thing in his his presentation. And I think with video, it might be the same thing, right? I need a way to reset you. So let's do something fun or something catchy here. And so you can really think about that purpose, but just make sure you've really thought through. We're going to add an arrow because, gosh, this button in Excel is really hard to find. And so let's make sure we're drawing (laughs) extra attention to it. Yeah, nice. Now, for this next question, the answer for me obviously is Camtasia. But how do you go about finding the right tool for creating a training video, regardless of your skill level, for maybe those that Camtasia may be outside their budget? Yeah, great question. Because you know, I love Camtasia. I work for a company that makes Camtasia, but it's not always the right answer. I think, you know, if you're really going to look for a tool, go find other people in your industry, in our case, training, talk to other people and what they're using. And if they're recommending something, you know, try it out. And if you can't afford it, there's going to be free alternatives that will probably work. There's always a cost with free and that, you know, it's harder. It won't do the things you want it to do. You know, there's other challenges with IT and organizational stuff. And even on the paid side, there's similar challenges, right? Like I actually really like, I'm going to probably get in trouble for this, but Adobe Premiere. Uh, (laughs) My company doesn't care. They'll be cool with it. But for most of the things I do, Adobe Premiere is just so overkill. I don't, I touch... 5% 5% of it maybe when I use it. Um, and so just be mindful of kind of what you're trying to do and then use the thing that's going to make the most sense for that project. Um, and then, you know, cause the thing is you can always skill up into the next thing, but learn. So if you learn some of the basic skills, how to cut, how to, you know, move things around kind of the process of what a good edit looks like without whatever the tool is, 
those skills are clearly transferable between products. It will be a different button. It will be a different symbol. It'll probably have a different name. But really the key is learn some of the skills. And there are, again, there's some free ones out there. You know, I know people that use like, if they're on a Mac, they use like iMovie. It used to be Window Makers. I think it has a different name. Uh, uh, Movie Maker on Windows. But, you know, it, it really doesn't matter the tool as long as you're getting out of it what you need in the format that you need. And, you know, again, fan of Camtasia because I think it's pretty simple, pretty easy, straightforward. It can do more and more, but totally understand that that's not in everyone's wheelhouse or budget. And, you know, frankly, there's a million opportunities out there to find other tools. Just search, you know, easy video editor and about a hundred will come up. (laughs) Cool. Now, are there any other practical tips or resources you'd like to share with our listeners? So... From a resource standpoint, uh, over the last couple of years, I spent a lot of time working on a project called the TechSmith Academy at academy.techsmith.com. It is all free. And that's why I bring it up because it's completely free. And it focuses on these video skills like script writing, storyboarding, you know, shooting your first video, lighting, kind of all these core basic things about using video as well as we have courses now. Uh, we did a course with Don Mahoney who she talked about creating job aids. And we've, we've done these other courses as well, but a lot of it's focused on video. So that's a resource I like to point to people just, just simply because it's got so much and it's you know been a, a big part of what I've done for the last couple of years. But other things, this is advice I love to give people. If you've never made a video, we know it's it can be challenging. It's overwhelming. It's like learning a language in some ways, right? Like It's like learning to write. But the best way to do it is start. Make your first terrible vi- looking video. It's going to be, and you're going to be like, <laughs> look back at it and say, oh gosh, this is so awful. I can't show anybody. But don't stop. Show somebody, get some feedback, make your next video, and just keep getting better every single time you make a video. And pretty soon, while you may not be ready to edit movies for Hollywood, you're going to find a rhythm and a groove that's like, okay, these are the things I know I can do. This fits stylistically with me and my organization. And you're going to get better and better. But you just got to, you know, and don't try to get everything better. Just focus on one thing. You know, this time I want to be more consistent with using transitions or I want to have it to be a little bit smoother or, you know, whatever it might be that you need to feel like it just could get a little bit better on. So that's, but that's the secret. Just practice, 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 like so many things, easy to say, hard to do. (laughs) And I do love that TechSmith Academy. It's awesome. Matt, at the end of every episode, we like to ask our guests five rapid fire style questions. Each question requires less than 60 seconds to respond. Are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) Great. Excellent. Give us one book that all talent development professionals must read and why. The Art of Explanation by Lee Lefevre is a great just, uh, he created Common Craft. It's a really great book that will walk you through basic explanation. It's not instructional designers, but I think it gives another good perspective. Nice. Now give us one tool that you recently learned about and immediately started using. One tool. The tool I started using recently is called Ecamm. It's for streaming video to like YouTube or Facebook. And that's been a big part of what I've been doing lately. And it has blown my mind on the potential for reaching out to a live audience, which isn't for most people, but for me and my job, it's been really great. Nice. Thanks for sharing that one. Now, what is the best piece of talent development related advice you have ever been given? I think 
The best piece of advice I'd been given, and it's the, I'm going to harken back to something I was told in grad school from an, my advisor, is he said, be passionate. And I think that's really important for t- learning and development. Be passionate about the things you're doing. Be passionate about the people you're working with. Be passionate the fact about the fact that you get to help people every single day. This is an amazing advice. Thank you for this one. Now, what is one thing that you are excited about that's coming up in the next year? One thing that I'm super excited about is we just keep pushing out new content and we're working with some really great people for the TechSmith Academy to make even more. So uh, where a lot of it's been me making the content, I'm starting to work with more and more awesome creators to bring awesome content to people that are in L&D and other fields to learn about making video. Last question. What is the one thing within our talent development community that you are deeply grateful for right now? I am so grateful for the connections within the talent community because there are so many wonderful people who will just embrace you and and take put their uh, arms around you and just bring you into the fold. And I, I, I love the community that we have. And I'm just so grateful for all the people that have done that for me. And I'm glad that I also have been able to do that for others as well. Matt, we are so happy you joined us today to share your wisdom with our listeners. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. And I did not expect the speed round to be as hard as it was, but I'm (laughs) grateful that you asked me all those questions. You did great. (laughs) And a thank you to my co-hosts as well. Yes, Matt, I definitely felt your passion today. This was very helpful. Thank you. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I appreciate you taking what sounds like it could be a challenging topic and making it so approachable. So this has been phenomenal. Yes, and many thanks to our community for listening. Before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. We have a lot of great events each month for you to connect with fellow DCATDers. Go to dcatd.org to sign up for one today. Want to network with other chapter members? Join the Metro DC chapter of ATD members on LinkedIn today.